let's say, in the Course in Miracles, this book, I don't know if you ever heard of it, this book transcribed in the uh, 70s by a Jewish psychiatrist woman and her partner, the guy wrote down what she was saying, this voice in her head was saying, and that's the Course in Miracles, supposedly, 1970s thing came out. But they have, uh, in that, well, first let me frame it with something I think I shared it with you the other day. So when I was young, my father used to play with me baseball and everything, take me to my first tryouts when I was six, five, you know, pre, pre literally, you know, baseball and stuff. And he was engaged in my life, and then he got ill. He had super high blood pressure. And uh, he got ill when I was about six. And then he stopped really participating in my life. My mother would take me to tryouts, and my, he never came to any baseball games or anything like that. And my mother would come to the games. And uh, I'm sure my family and people took me aside and said, Listen, Paul, your father's really ill. That's why he's not playing with you anymore. That's why he's not taking you to the tryouts and this and that. And this and it may have been totally logical, but how I heard it was from self-centeredness. Yeah? So the way I held it, not even on the level of thinking deeper, was that I must have done something wrong for my father not to want to play with me anymore. It didn't matter what anyone said, that's what was in there. Yeah? It had to be because everything has to pertain to me in self-centeredness. So when something occurs, I've got to look at what my mind will think about what I must have done to play a role in that happening, when I may not have any role whatsoever, but it can't entertain not having a role. Yeah. So let's, in the Course, they would say, apply that same example. Let's say you, you're here. And on an experiential level, it can look like you cannot get what you want. Yeah? It can look like, let's say, you want to be loved by another and it doesn't happen. Or you want to love another and it doesn't happen. Maybe you get hurt and someone doesn't get hurt. And yet, we've been told that in some circles, and even in religions, that God is eternal, all-loving, super peaceful. And maybe we're children of God, some, some would say, you know, this or that, whatever. And yet, your experience, and especially the representing of your experience in the mental realm, definitely does not comply with that, that you're all eternal light and everything's beautiful, does it? No. You think there's a lot of shit going on. And that you've done a lot of shit. And a lot of shit's happened to you. Now, what do you believe ahead that's based in self-centeredness? How is it going to take that perceptual reality it's going to see, okay, someone tells me there's a God that's all loving and all this and all that, and I don't feel it. What did I do to leave that God? And this is one of the major tenets, I believe, in Course of Miracles, is the guilt, the inherent guilt we have appearing here is separate. Because there's a sense in all of us, like in recovery, it says everyone has an innate feeling of a higher power, right? There's a sense in all of us that there is wholeness and there is eternity and there is light, but that's not our experience. So I'm, I'm, I have, I'm hazarding a guess here that any apparatus with self-centeredness in some way or another, being super convoluted or not, 
is going to say, I must have done something to leave God. Yeah? And if I did that, that is going to produce in the mental realm a lot of guilt and a lot of shame, huge amount of guilt and shame. And isn't it quite often that what's being played out here on a deep level is just guilt and shame? We're dumping it on others. We're accusing people all the time, fucking things up, doing that. But we're attempting to get rid of a huge surplus of guilt and shame that ha- doesn't seem to like have a, a, like a, a, an appropriate ratio from what we've done in this life. Does it? I felt guilty and shameful as soon as introspection started happening. When I would think about myself, I thought something was wrong with me. That is the tickling of deep guilt and shame. You're never going to be left off that hook as a self. You've been convicted already. You're just serving out your sentence, really. In the court of mind, every one of us in this room has been convicted over and over and over again. We have been the judge, the jury, the defendant, the prosecution. We're, we're afraid that some impending doom is going to happen. We're in prison now. We're in prison in the mind. There is going to be no relief as a self. Because you may be let out a little while, but you'll be convicted again. You'll always break the probation because it's made up. <laughs> you can just say, well, you did something really fucked up. Quit, you're back in. The point is, is none of this has actually happened. It's in a mental realm. Nothing, there has never been separation. You have never did anything to leave eternity. This is just an aberration. It's like a blink of minds, of the mind's eye. It never actually happened. We're stuck in this little loop of time, and it's just a giant guilt and shame marathon. Yeah? for this unbearable idea that we actually must have done something to leave eternity, wholeness, or heaven, let's say. And it's unbearable for the conditioned mind to deal with that. So we're hurting others here, and people are hurting us, and things are good. You know, look at relationships. A lot of times the idea is it's meant to be about love and support, but a lot of times it doesn't turn out that way. A lot of the things that you do to an intimate other, you would never do to a stranger, because they kick the shit out of you. You know, have you ever been in that, where you've been yelling at someone, and then someone you don't know walks by, and you both shut up, and as soon as they leave, you're at it again? That, to me, is guilt and shame. That's, that's a, a, like a toxic bile of conditioned mind. It's trying to get rid of it, but it doesn't know how. First of all, because it's imaginary. You've ne- you can never have forced unity into separation. There's no way this hasn't happened. You're not a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. You have not forsaken yourself from God or spirit or anything like that. None of it ever happened. That's the only solution that works. Everything else is just isn't going to hold water because your experience, your perceptual interpretation is going to verify what you really believe. You did something to leave heaven. It's you. How could that you 
be open to receive any blessings if it's been convicted already. Self can't get out of self. It's impossible. You're trying to get out of it is hell, in a way. All the talking about, yeah, I think things are really changing. It doesn't matter if things change. It's finding what's always so. I like, I like that take. I don't believe in any of them, but I like that one when I used to study the course. Because it felt, it, res, it rang true for me when it comes to selfing. There seems to be an inherent guilt or something wrong in there. As if the thing knows it's not true. Yeah? Like there's a strange suspicion it's not real. A strong one in there. And it's doing, it does a lot of dancing around that. It just does not want to sit in that and see what's happening. I don't find it does. So in the, one of the other things in the Course, they talk about a thing called atonement. It's not forgiveness. Atonement is when you see that nothing ever happened. I don't have to forgive anything you ever did because there was never you that did it. That's the true forgiveness. It's like a preemptive forgiveness. It's atonement. It's recognizing that all the shenanigans here may leave an indelible mark on you as this, but not on what you are. All sins will be forgiven, as they say, because they didn't happen. We just have a sick mind. Sick mind trying to deal what's unbearable. The guilt and shame of being the cause of separation. Wouldn't you? Look at what happens when you think you're the cause of hurting someone in this life that you love. Look at the amount of guilt and shame you, your mind produces around that. Can you imagine if you believed that you left God? I had it when I was young. I was with a guru for five years when I was young. And the way he was presented by many of his followers was he's the Lord of the universe. Yeah. So there was the Lord of the universe. And I didn't like the Lord of the universe. What did that make me? You cannot believe the amount of emotional turmoil I had contemplating and thinking, when am I going to leave this guy? Because I didn't want to leave him because if he's the Lord of the universe and I leave him, what does that make me? Fucking unbelievably bad. Who could possibly want to leave the Lord of the universe? (laughs) It was excruciating for years. (laughs) Finally, Finally, my mind gave me a solution. Go back to drugs. Become so bad that I'll be released from that thing with the Lord of the universe because now I'm already cast into hell by being a drug addict. Fucking crazy. What a great solution my mind had to the problem. (laughs) Who knows if that's truth, but I saw a lot. I mean, really, when people read these books that talk about love and all this light and all this beauty, if you're reading it from self-centered, I don't care if you think it or not up on the conscious level, in in that that little labyrinth of conditioning, you believe you must have done something. It's like that original sin in Catholicism, whatever it is. You You have an original sin. It was you that left the Garden of Eden. You! And then this whole life is about dumping that guilt. 
choosing to go to a summer camp and then moving in for 50 years. Ooh, fuck. I have to have a do-over on that one. Yeah, a lot of new age stuff has that. Well, you've chosen to be here. I'm not a real signer on that. I just entertain these different views. It doesn't matter. I don't believe in any of them. But I like to see them you know, because they change your mind a little. And the mind, it's nice to lubricate the tripod. Yeah. So, so you don't think it's always from here. You can, so I can get, you know, pick up another mess. You know kind of like snap away from moments earlier this, this evening of coming here. I just got off work and kind of had my eyes on the ground. I was trying to figure out like, how am I going to get up so late and where I was. Do I have time? What am I going to do? And I heard this sound. and it's conditioned. Yeah? This one time I was in town, Cota Madera, and there was all these sirens going on. Yeah, not far away. And I had pulled over to make a phone call on a cell to get a cell phone thing. So I was standing out there. It was a nice night. And all these sirens and all the sound. And then I see this guy coming down this road on a motorcycle, whipping it really fast. And then he pulls into this apartment complex and parks between cars and then runs up and goes somewhere into the apartment thing. And uh, the cop, file, about five minutes later, the cops come and they said, did you see anyone? I said, no. <laughs> that old conditioning. <laughs> no, I didn't see anyone. 
<laughs> there was no thought at all. I was just like, I'm on, I'm on that side, bro. I'm not telling you nothing. <laughs> but I thought it was a pretty cool move by the bike guy. And he came flying.